he was missing his left butt cheek because it got blown off by a rocket propelled grenade. We called him Instructor Half Butt. That is Sarah Connor, right? And then all hell breaks loose. That laser focus you're giving me right now and that terribly beautiful smile. You're a six foot tall person acting like Jesus standing on a dead calm day looking out to sea. If you can get a banker to trust you, you're doing something right. There ain't no Rambos in SEAL team. You think you're a Rambo? We're gonna weed you out. Top leaders. Meaningful conversation. Actionable advice. Bulldoze complacency. Ignite inspiration. Create impact. Produced by the Southwestern family of companies. This is the Action Catalyst. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Today's guest is Alden Mills, an Inc. 500 CEO with Perfect Fitness, as well as a best-selling author and sought-after speaker, a former Navy SEAL, and now the co-founder of Goalbud, a new accountability app. We hope you enjoy. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a little crazy over here, but it's an honor to be here. Okay, so I got a silly question to start. How many push-ups did you do this morning? <laughs> oh, you know, probably five. <laughs> I appreciate the honest answer. Yeah, I didn't do a lot this morning. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Obviously, as you know, an incredibly impressive background. Thank you for your service. And this idea of discovering the vulnerability that you can't do it alone. I think so many of us are trained that asking for help is a weakness. Can you talk to me a little bit about where that came from with you, et cetera? The very first place that I discovered that you definitely can't do it yourself, I had been diagnosed with asthma at the age of 12, told that I should lead a less active lifestyle. And mom had totally different ideas on that. And she would say things like, no one defines what you can do, but you, you decide what you can do. And as I went down that journey, and at the time it was a physical goal that I was really after, I just wanted to be good at something physically. Well, I was terrible at every ball sport I tried. And then I find the sport of rowing where I could sit on my butt and go backwards for long periods of time. And I was like, hey, I can do this. But it was during that time period that I realized it was such a hard training evolution. I really needed support. It was only because a senior came down when I was a sophomore and he said, hey, why don't you come train with me? And it was because of him that I saw the power of what it was like working together instead of alone. Fast forward seven years, I'm in basic training in SEAL team and we had this SEAL instructor, the thick Boston accent. And he would say, there ain't no Rambos in SEAL team. You think you're a Rambo? Oh, we're going to weed you out. Every one of us got a weakness. And we got to find each other to take care of each other's weakness. And he would keep going after us on this no Rambo concept. And it's the polar opposite in SEAL team. SEAL team is designed, SEAL training is designed to find your weakness, exploit it, you confront it, and then you find and surround yourself with people who don't have that weakness. And I found a lot of those weaknesses. It was another seven years after that, I'm sitting in business school and I find a whole bunch of weaknesses there were engineering and spreadsheets. I couldn't even figure out what a spreadsheet was at first and how quickly I needed to build teams 
and teams that were based around my vulnerabilities and I had to be vulnerable enough to let them know, this is what I am terrible at. I suck at this. But here's the one thing I can do really well. And the faster that we would come together, you were breaking through this vulnerability layer of ice that all of a sudden everyone felt so much more comfortable. And from that, I've built multiple companies really based off of the vulnerability of being self-aware enough to know I can't do it all. Then you've got the opportunity to be unstoppable together. Part of it is that being confident enough in themselves to become vulnerable. I also think the other part of it is trusting other people. I mean, a lot of folks, especially in leadership positions, they have this reputation of being control freaks. So how do you build that trust? And we know, I mean, people are human. They're going to let us down when they do. How do you keep going with that? So you can't have any team without trust. Trust is the absolute number one single fundamental. When you are meeting somebody for the first time, I want you to think about the fact that they're all wearing a pair of Terminator glasses. At one point, the camera switches to be what you can see from the Terminator's point of view through those glasses, right? And now you're seeing a heads-up display for the first time and, and facial recognition as she's walking into the bar looking for Sarah Connor. Without a Sarah Connor, right? And then all hell breaks loose. That's what people are doing, but it's not Sarah Connor now. It's, can I trust this leader? And the number one filter they're looking at is, can I trust this person? Can I be safe enough to be vulnerable enough to tell this person, this isn't the way we should go, or I have a better idea, or, you know, let me give you this suggestion. And the reason they're going to be doing that is they're waiting for you to take the first step on trust. And here's how I want you to think of trust. Trust is like a boomerang. You're going to have to put out a bunch of energy, send it out into the universe. Sometimes it's going to come right back to you and it's going to be overwhelmingly positive energy. And sometimes that boomerang is lost. It doesn't come back. But if you can get comfortable with the fact that if you lead with love as your main driver of emotion, you'll always give more trust because you know that those that send the boomerang of trust back to you, they're force multipliers for you. Those that don't, they're wounded, they're insecure, they have stunted their own growth, they will only always be about themselves, they won't ever be able to team up to the level that you're looking for, and maybe over time, if you remain consistent, they'll come to the light with you. But if you always control a freak, that's leading with fear. And when you lead with fear, you are much more apt not to take the risk. You're going to be wor worried so much about getting just the next thing right. You're going to miss the opportunities that are around the corner because you're too concerned about what it's going to happen to you. You must be concerned about how to help others. When you add those components together, then they'll understand and they'll start daring a little bit more. Um, I, I use the term daring because trust is built off of care. I developed what's called the CARE loop. I made an acronym out of CARE, which is Connect, Achieve, Respect, Empower. And it's a loop. And I think of it like a flywheel. And to get the flywheel up and spinning, you have to give forth your care to others when they may not care. If you do that consistently enough and people feel cared for, and they feel like, hey, Stephanie's got my back. It's okay if I go out and try something I've never done before because I know if I fail, she's got my back and she will take care of me. And that caring 
leads to daring. Caring builds the trust that allows people to dare for you. Going in a little bit different direction. So one of the things I learned in your background was from a young age, you've always had this invention-oriented mindset. But your first, I think, major launching was the perfect push-up, right? No, I, I had two companies before that that were fantastic failures. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about coming back from failure. Well, let me tell you, my first big failure that I, I thought I had done so spectacularly wrong was leaving SEAL Team. You know, when you leave SEAL Team, they have you stand up in front of the entire team and, and they say, hey, why are you leaving? I cried that day. It was awful. And about a week later, you know, I jump out of a helicopter for my last day. And then a week later, I'm sitting in a quantitative skills review program at Carnegie Mellon University. And it looks like Greek on the board. I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? And I went back in the reserves and my wife says to me, she's like, well, you know, I'll support whatever you'd like to do. But if you really want to be this entrepreneur that you keep talking about, now would be the time to do it. We don't have kids, just have our dog. At that point is when, you know, I turned my first big failure of this civilian experience into something where I figured I could make it. And that turn was making the shift from, oh, it's all about the money to, no, what's really important to me. And what's really important to me is the joy I got from serving others. I then was sitting there as a civilian and I was like, well, how's the best way I can serve others? And that became helping people take control of their bodies. It was the summer of 2006 when we invented the perfect push-up. Very interesting. You know, you often hear people say, hey, you know, you learn more from your failures than your successes and so forth. And I think that just speaks to that quite a bit. I have failed way more than I have succeeded. But if you ain't failing, you ain't trying. Talk to me about this idea of a swim buddy. Mm, right. A swim buddy is a Navy SEAL term for the smallest team in SEAL team. You know, you never go in the water by yourself. There's always another person. We even developed a stroke where you can look at each other. It's a modified side stroke. And then you can switch sides if one side of your body gets more tired than the other. But you never do anything without your swim buddy. The swim buddy concept, the real important element of the swim buddy is the, the emotional component of the moments when you're not thinking you can make it. And the other one's putting their arm around you going, no, no, we got this. That's, that's typically how SEAL Team started was, hey, we'll take the missions no one else wants and we'll figure out how to get it done. And so you're constantly looking at the impossible and having somebody there to find the possibilities in impossible is really critical. And no person is a fort. And yes, we get scared. I get scared before I give every uh, public speech I give. Well, you did a really good job of hiding your nervousness and talking with me today. So I appreciate Definitely. that. Well, you know, you, that laser focus you're giving me right now and that terribly beautiful smile, those two <laughs> terrified. Yes, I could see that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's talk about mantras. Talk to me about some of the mantras when you need a little mental motivation. Let's talk about the positivity gym. Um, first of all, I'm a visual learner. I think of everything, I gotta visualize the thing, whatever that is. And so I have this idea that we all have a positivity gym. And if you think of it as positivity as a gym, it's actually a great metaphor. Because, you know, I'll stand on stage and ask people, 
hey, who's done 23andMe or some genetic testing like that? Lots of hands go up. Who got the positivity gene? Did you get it? You must have got it. I can tell you're smiling. And they're like, uh, no, nobody got it because there's no screening for it because there's no gene that exists for it. Right? Positivity comes on us. It's up to us to drive that. So how do you do that? We've got to go to the gym. We've got to exercise. One of the key exercises in the positivity gym is a push-pull exercise. So the push-pull exercise is really what I call playing the opposite game. Playing the opposite games means that the moment you got something negative that you decided to switch your focus on, you have to understand all of human nature. All of nature is designed to meet at homeostasis, which is a balance, which means for every negative, there is a positive. Every time a failure occurred, well, there's a positive to that failure. And the positive is, you know, like Thomas Edison, I learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. So you do the push-pull again. Another one is getting deeply curious about whatever the issue is. If it's with another person and you're struggling, give me three ways that you can love that person. Now, that person may have done something really bad, but you get them to drive that kind of curiosity, it will flip a switch and force the brain to get off of whatever the negative thought is you're attaching to and shift your focus to where that positivity is. Now, before I give you a third uh, positivity gym example, I, I really need to explain focus. Focus is like a funnel. It funnels your energy into taking an action. We control it and we all have a focus funnel. The key thing about dealing with any kind of negativity is it's up to us what we're deciding to take our focus funnel and funnel energy and to attach to that thought. Thoughts are neither hurtful or helpful until we take our energy and attach to it. And we do it by using this focus funnel of ours. Now, I'll give you a third positivity gym exercise, and that's really dealing with perspective. When you find yourself in a position where, oh my gosh, we, you know, we failed again. Look what, look what's happened. That's the reason you keep a workout log because you can see over time, oh, look, I'm actually getting stronger or I've lost weight or I'm getting faster or whatever the metrics are that you're doing. But perspective is so powerful over that time period. If you can track your progress, no matter how slight it is, that is your fuel to always move forward. Your progress is your fuel for persistence. Oh, I really like that, that fuel for persistence. That's the name of the game, Stephanie. It's getting up and taking the next action. That's the whole point. Not 10 actions from now, just the next one. It's all you have to do. These seem logical. You've simplified them, which is great. People still don't do them. Why not? Well, my very first SEAL instructor from the deep south, he walked with a limp because he was missing his left butt cheek because it got blown off by a rocket bell grenade. We called him instructor half butt. <laughs> you know what my job is? It's to create a conversation in here that's going to drive you to make a decision of what you're going to focus on. You're going to focus on the pain of training or are you going to focus on the pleasure that training can provide you? Now, I know for a fact over 80% of you, 
You're going to focus on the pain. You know why? Because you're all focused on being a seal on a sunny day. Your country, she don't need seals on sunny days. She needs them on scary days when it's cold and it's dark and it's wet. And that crack over your head, well, that ain't thunder. That's somebody want you dead. How bad you want to be a seal on that day, hmm? You all want to be a seal on a sunny day. So this secret here is deciding what you're going to focus on. It ain't complicated. It's just hard. It's hard to lead yourself to decide what you're going to focus on. It ain't complicated. It's just hard. I think people get things way too complicated, and then they get overwhelmed. They're like, I just can't do it. I don't have enough time for this. Forget about it. Every person that I coach, all about just giving them the confidence to take the next action. That's the only action that matters. It's this present moment. Present moment, for instance, you and me being together, everything that I can give that can be helpful to you, it's this moment that matters. When people decide they can't do it, most of the time they've made a decision to focus on just the sunny day and realize the moment anything comes down to the hard day, well, that's I, I'm not here for those days. I only want the sunny days. You know, who doesn't want to be the head of sales on a sunny day? Who doesn't want to be an entrepreneur on the sunny days? Those aren't the days, however, that give you the greatest growth. The days that give you the greatest growth are the days with the greatest friction, right? Struggle builds strength. That's the only way we grow. And until people flip the switch to realize, hey, I got to go to the gym, right? The gym is a friction home. It's there to give you the resistance, metaphorically and literally, to build the muscle strength that you need to be able to overcome the obstacles. And then eventually, what I'm really after is training people to look at the obstacle with celebration because those are your opportunities. And when we start getting that, now we've got an unstoppable mindset because every obstacle becomes an opportunity. Every problem is a possibility. The struggle builds the strength. The mindset is then bringing on. That's what we're after. But that's hard. That's hard to get people to embrace the idea that they need to do the hard things, that they need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And when we get people to make the switch to enjoy the struggle, well, then we've got the real opportunity for building success. I wouldn't go just willy-nilly for everything, right? <laughs> but right. <laughs> is that we also need to recharge Putting yourself in areas of friction is exhausting and you need the energy. And if you're out of balance on the physical side because you think, well, it's not that important that I get sleep or good nutrition or exercise, which is what I call how you see sleep, eat, and exercise in that order, then your physical platform isn't optimized for the stamina or the struggle. And the struggle will come from the mental and emotional side and from the spiritual side, you really need to be able to practice faith because the world has too many things coming at us. We can't handle all the things coming at us. And if you start to focus on all the negatives of everything that's out there, then you'll be so overwhelmed with fear that you'll never push yourself beyond your horizon of your potential. So you have to learn to practice faith. And I'm not here to tell you which faith of religious doctrine to practice. That's second definition in the dictionary. 
I'm after the first definition in the dictionary for faith. And that is having 100% confidence in someone or something other than yourself. And when you have faith in someone else, then you can let go. And when you're able to let go and only focus on the things that you can control and have faith that the others have your back or some higher power has your back and that you will deal with whatever comes down your way, then you can walk through the deepest shadows, valleys of doubt, and you will light the way to your success. You mentioned earlier in the call your mom being very influential and in helping you decide that, hey, we get the doctor said this, I disagree, we're, we're going to do things differently. Did you grow up with this strong sense of something bigger or greater than yourself? Where did that come from? Mom was definitely my first leadership coach, no doubt about it. Uh, dad was close behind. He just had a different tact. And it happened through a series of, of challenges where I wanted to achieve something, but I kept falling short. And then- I got to this point in every one of these challenges where I saw the opportunity, but I had to let go and give all of myself to whatever the challenge was. And in the first challenge, it would have been rowing where my hands got so infected and I had to tape them up and came down to this one last big race for this final seat as a sophomore. And the pain was so overwhelming that all I could do was cry because I couldn't let go of the oar. I died taped my hands into circles. Uh, when you're going through SEAL training, you get to this point where you're like, oh my gosh, I could die right now. And I remember flipping the switch going, well, this is what I want to do. So they're going to have to kill me because I'm not going to quit. And I don't think I was alone there. I think there are lots of guys that would get there. You know, and I looked at bankruptcy three different times with my business. You get to this point where you're like, there has to be another way. I just am not going to go bankrupt. And you get to that point three different times. I mean, good God, we had uh, 2009, which was some of the height of perfect push-up years. The bank decides they want to call our loan in 30, $15 million loan, and, and I was personally guaranteed. I don't have a $15 million house. I don't even get an intent of that. And, you know, they sent people out to value our home and be like, well, how quickly can we liquidate things? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going to figure out a way here. They wanted 30 days. I wanted 300. And uh, they thought I was crazy. 293 days later, I pulled them back. I paid them back in full with interest. But that was a trust game. We got them to trust us. If you can get a banker to trust you, you're doing something right. So you practice this, this faith. You practice these opportunities every time you keep pushing for something outside your grasp, beyond your horizon of what you can see to where you believe. And I, I often talk about this horizon, and we're all the captains of our own ships, but we can't see that far. You know, you're a six foot tall person acting like Jesus standing on a dead calm day looking out to sea. You can only see two and a half, 2.9 miles before uh, the horizon drops off. But your goal is way past the horizon. And most people are like, they won't even dream there. Because like, well, I can only see, you know, it's seeing is believing. Like, no, 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 it's the total opposite. You have to believe first that you can do something before you can see what you really want, which is way past that horizon. That comes back to practicing that faith. And you get yourself into that process. And over the years, it will 
help you cement your confidence in your capabilities? Great question, Stephanie. Absolutely. So in the time we have remaining, just give me a quick kind of preview on your books, the training that you do, the speaking that you do, because this has been really good. And I can see a lot of our folks saying, hey, that was a great introduction. Where can I get more? Well, I feel my highest use of helping others is helping them be unstoppable, achieving something they're not sure they could do. I early on attached myself to the word unstoppable because to be unstoppable means you've been stopped. You've been stuck. You can't be unstoppable if you haven't been there. You got to be there, right? You need the struggle of being stuck to get unstuck, to go from stop to unstoppable. So I have two books. They're called Be Unstoppable, The Eight Essential Actions to Succeed in Anything, and Unstoppable Teams, Four Essential Actions to High-Performance Leadership. And I'll have a new book called Unstoppable Mindset, How to Use What You Have to Get What You Want. I'm all about the three levels of leadership, leading yourself, leading teams, and then leading the cultures of your organization. And you can find me at alden-mills.com. And I'm also the creator with a dear friend of mine of a free app called Goal Bud. And it's a place where people can enter in their goals, quickly form a goal team, and create commitments to help each other stay on track to take the next action. Goal Bud. That's where I hope to help 100 million people achieve goal success. This has been so awesome. Thank you so much for your willingness to come and spend some time. Thank you. And, you know, I've been, I just want to say, I've been really excited to come on this podcast. I love the messaging that you do for this podcast. More people need to hear and get motivated and inspired that it's inside of them. It's there. They have it. They were built to be unstoppable. They just need swim buddies. I love it. Just remind people that unstoppable is a choice. That's their leadership decision. They get to decide every day. And all they got to do is take one action. The action could be downloading Goldbud, building their first Gold Buddy Swim Buddy team, and then creating a commitment to like, hey, let's do this. Just 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day and watch how that will build their momentum. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Keep caring, Stephanie. Go for and be unstoppable. Yes, sir. You got it. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And as always, thanks for listening.